0: Hello, and welcome to the Monday check-in. This is not the normal people, well, one of the normal people doing the Monday check-in. Damon's not here with us, but fortunately, Kylie is, and we give thanks to God for that. So, Kylie, hello.
1: Hello, it's good to be here.
0: Glad you could join us for this. Uh, very excited about the Monday check-in and Kylie's participation. I suppose we could start with uh, explaining why Damon's not here with us for... All 17 of our listeners, uh, most of whom know Damon and know why he's not here, will tell you anyway. Damon and Hannah got married this weekend. We're so
1: excited. We have to share the news.
0: Yes, indeed. And I uh, I was blessed to help uh, as the officiant for the wedding. Kylie was there. Uh, it was delightful. There was an awesome wedding reception with appropriate social distancing, including outdoors at Steeple Brewery. And uh, we were on the same trivia team, and I will not share how our trivia team did relative to the other teams, because I don't like to brag.
1: (laughs) Oh, is that it? Yeah, right. Right. Right? That's very good of you. Yep. Yeah, and if any
0: of our loyal listeners were at the reception, they'll know that that was um, perhaps, well, obfuscation. How about that? Okay, so this is the Monday check in where we'll do a few brief announcements about what's going on in the life of the church. We'll open with a prayer. Uh, we'll read the scripture that will be preached on on Sunday, and then Kylie and I will have a conversation about it. Uh, the great thing of, that you need to know about Kylie is she actually prepares for these things as opposed to Damon and I, who just wing it. So you're going to actually probably get much more profound insight than you normally do with the Monday check in. But uh, let's start with what's going on in the life of our church. Uh, this Sunday, Rather than having our 9 a.m. worship in the park and our 10.30 stay-at-home service, we're having just one service. It will be at 10.30 a.m. Everyone's invited to come in person in the park. It'll be at Alexander Park, which is just across the street from the church, just north of us on the corner of 7th and Lincoln. So one service at 10.30 a.m. If you can't come or don't feel safe coming to worship in person, we will also be live streaming it and offering it on uh, 1550 KICS AM radio. Uh, and this is what would traditionally be our kickoff Sunday. This is the Sunday where we celebrate the start of the programmatic year and the start of the school year and that everyone's back from vacation and it's wonderful. And, and it's going to be a little different this year, but it's still going to be a joyful celebration. We're going to continue a tradition that we started a couple years ago and invite some bagpipers to join us. And so I'm sure all the neighbors that live uh, on Lincoln street will appreciate hearing bagpipes at 10:30 AM on Sunday morning. Um, so that will be great and then following the service uh, we're going to have some food trucks parked in our church parking lot and we're going to invite people to come back and buy themselves lunch and then sit in the parking lot in their chairs and uh, share some fellowship and some fun and it's going to be great uh, so we hope you can join us in person if not we hope you can join us online and uh, it's going to be a great so that will be this sunday ten thirty a.m alexander park Uh, Starting the next week, we'll go back to our other schedule we were doing. A couple other exciting things happening in the life of the church. I'm excited because they are the heartbeat of our church, which is the mission. Uh, And our church is about being the hands and feet of Christ. And so one of them is our coat drive. Uh, For the last few years, uh, we have collected winter coats uh, at distribution points all around town. There's a box at the YMCA, Pershing Orthodontics, a couple other places too, I think. And then one here in our church and we collect coats and then uh, in October we give them out to people who might need a winter coat. So that's happening again this year. We're going to have our coat collection box in the park for worship in the park on Sunday. So if you have extra winter coats, bring them to worship with you and drop them in the box. If you're not going to be at worship or don't, can't get them that by then, bring them by the church office. Uh, anytime Between now and October 14th, we will collect those coats, and then we will be distributing them, pending approval from United Harvest Board, uh, on United Harvest Day, which is October 17th. Uh, We're still doing our drive-through United Harvest, but then we'll also be handing flyers out, inviting people to circle back around, park in the church parking lot. We'll let up to 10 people at a time with face masks come into the church to pick up a winter coat. So... Uh, we also have another United Harvest distribution. Uh, Kylie, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that'll be coming up on August 19th, always the third Saturday of the month, September, excuse me. Thank you. September 19th, always the third Saturday of the month. Um, volunteers are, are needed. It's been really helpful for us in the recent past with some of the changes we've had to make because of COVID if volunteers can sign up in advance and that sign-up opportunity is linked through our um, United Harvest Facebook page, and if you have trouble with that or need help, you can call the church office and we can get you signed up.
0: Outstanding, and what that tells you is that this church is just alive and active and well, and so even though we're not worshiping in our sanctuary on Sunday mornings, the church is not closed. The church is frankly more busy and more open uh, than it's ever been, so uh, that's the good news. Uh, the other good news is, is the good news that we find in the gospel. So let's, uh, let's jump into that. I'll open us with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our scripture. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on your holy word and the call that it places on our lives. Whether the stories come from the Older Testament or the Newer Testament, we know that you are speaking to us through these words. So open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to what it is that you're saying to us today. And may we be impacted by your message in a way that it changes our lives for the better. And that we go out in the world and change other people's lives for the better as a result. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're done with the Summer Sermon Song Series. We have closed that. It was great. Uh, we had a historic run this year. I'm not sure what was historic about it, but it just seemed like a good thing to say. Uh, and we're now moving back into what we call lectionary-based preaching. The lectionary is given to us. Uh, it's a three-year cycle. Each week, we're offered a Old Testament, a psalm, a gospel lesson, and an epistle or Pauline letter. And uh, then I, as the preacher, get to pick from one of those four texts and decide what we're going to preach on. And what I've decided for the next uh, few weeks is we're going to focus on this idea of living love. What does it look like to actually live out our love, to be love incarnate in the world? And so what do the scriptures that we have been selected for us tell us about living love? And so this week, uh, I picked the Genesis passage, the Old Testament passage. This is part of what's called the Joseph novella, uh, the story of Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. Um, and let me set up Joseph's story a little bit before I read this section. This is the very, very last chapter of Genesis. And so Joseph Novella starts, I believe, in chapter 37, and it runs for uh, about 13 chapters. And so what happens? Joseph is the youngest brother of, uh, of 12 brothers, the son of Jacob, and he is the favorite son. And Jacob uh, doesn't doesn't hide that from his brothers, and it it makes his brothers a little jealous, and and Jacob just comes out and says it, you're my favorite son, and not only that, he lavishes gifts upon Joseph that he doesn't give to the other brothers, including this amazing technicolor dream coat. I don't think technicolor is there in the original Hebrew, but it's a a multicolored coat that Joseph gets from his father as a gift, and it makes his brothers very jealous. Joseph's not real self-aware and doesn't realize how jealous his brothers are, and then Joseph has these dreams. And in his dreams, they're out in a field of corn, actually, very Nebraska uh, dream. And uh, the 11 sheaths of corn of the brothers all bow down to Joseph's sheath of corn. Uh, And then he tells them another dream that's like the solar system. It's stars and moon and, and, and the 11 stars representing the brothers all bow down to Joseph's star. And so they were already jealous to begin with, and then Joseph tells them these dreams, which don't make these eleven brothers very happy. So they plot to kill him. Uh, seems a little extreme to me, but uh, you know I've not lived with Joseph, so you never know. Uh, and then at the last moment they decide, well, rather than kill him, we don't want to have his blood on our hands. Let's uh, let's sell him into slavery. And so there's some Ishmaelites. And they sell Joseph into slavery and the Ishmaelites take Joseph off to Egypt where he's sold into slavery there. And the brothers lie to Jacob. They say that Joseph got into a fight with a wild goat uh, and it didn't end well for Joseph. They take his amazing technicolor dream coat. They smear it in blood. They bring it back to Jacob and Jacob weeps because his favorite son is dead, he thinks. Meanwhile, in Egypt, uh, Joseph is... uh, hanging out and he's smart. And Potiphar, the vizier or the second in charge for Pharaoh, notices Joseph's smarts and says, hey, help me out. And so Joseph becomes key in the in the kingdom of the Pharaoh as the Potiphar's second in charge. Uh, but not Potiphar's not the only one that notices Joseph. Who else noticed Joseph?
1: Potiphar's wife.
0: Potiphar's wife. And she gets the hots for Joseph. It's not good. She uh, invites Joseph into her bed. Joseph refuses uh, because he's an honorable man and neither wants to insult God nor Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar's wife does not take well to Joseph refusing her advances and lies and says that he did, uh, in fact, uh, assault her. And Potiphar believes his wife throws Joseph in jail. So things aren't going well for Joseph. Uh, But in jail, he befriends the warden. And then he befriends some of the other prisoners, some of whom are close to the Pharaoh, and he helps them interpret their dreams, tells them what their dreams mean. And then the Pharaoh has these wild, crazy dreams, and he says, who can help me interpret these dreams? And they're like, well, we know this guy in prison named Joseph, he can help. So he gets pulled out of prison, interprets the Pharaoh's dreams for him, and the dream are uh, is that there will be seven years of surplus, seven years of wonderful crops, and, and then there will be seven years of drought. And so Joseph uh, interprets Pharaoh's dreams and Pharaoh says, okay, help me set it up so that our, our country can survive this. So for the seven years of surplus, they build grain storage, everything's great. Uh, and then they get through the seven years of drought without any problems in Egypt. But all around Egypt, people are suffering because they didn't have Joseph interpreting the dreams. And who lives around Egypt? None other than Joseph's brothers, Right. And so these guys live in Canaan. They come to Egypt to try to get food because they're starving during this time of drought. They don't recognize Joseph, but what do they do? They bow down before him, just like Joseph's dream, and ask him for help. And Joseph um, offers them some help. They actually make four trips from Canaan to Egypt the first time they don't bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, Joseph tells them to go back, bring Benjamin. Joseph does a couple tests with them to test their integrity. Have these guys gotten better? Are they worth forgiving after they've done this thing to me? And uh, they, they, they generally pass the tests. And so Joseph decides that they're gonna he's going to help them out, gives them some food, sends them back. There's some reconciliation that happens. And that was a very long lead up, but shorter than reading you all 13 chapters of Genesis. Uh, and we get to Genesis 50 the last chapter of Genesis and the end of the Joseph novella, and Genesis 50, and this is verses 15 through 21. It's short, and it reads like this. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. What do you think, Kylie?
1: (laughs) Well, I think that Joseph was sorely mistreated by his brothers, and yet he forgives them really, really generously. And not only does he not pay them back what they, quote, might deserve, but he even goes beyond that to to say, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you and your little ones. He takes it to the next level, the the generosity level. And I do want to say that I think when we look at this, um, we we recognize that forgiveness is called of us and that it's a little bit easier when the person that's in need of forgiveness asks for forgiveness. Yes. The brothers actually do come to him and say, Ah, please forgive us. We don't like they recognize they've done something really bad and they're asking for forgiveness. And so I will say Joseph gets a little bit of a, a little bit of an easier time there. A lot of us, when we are wronged, that doesn't happen. People don't say, I'm sorry. They don't
0: acknowledge, yeah. They
1: don't acknowledge what they've done and maybe they can't, or maybe they won't say, I'm sorry. And God still asks us to forgive, and so that's, that's where I'll start it. Where, where would you like to start?
0: I, um, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a really, really good point. Um, and yeah, so in some sense, Joseph is given a gift and that his, his brothers at least acknowledge they're wrong and, and come to him seeking forgiveness. And unfortunately in our lives, that doesn't always happen uh, because humans don't, fail to recognize when they've wronged you or, uh, don't have the humility to ask for forgiveness. Um, yeah. One thing that, uh, that I always think about, I think there, there is a, there's a call within our faith. There's a theological call to forgiveness, which is crystal clear, um, throughout the scriptural witness, starting in the older Testament and running all the way through the gospels and, and the Pauline letters and, And Jesus makes it clear when he teaches us how to pray, right? When he teaches us the Lord's prayer, it's Mm -hmm. forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, So there's a theological call to it. But one thing that I've learned in life is there's always, there's a very practical reason to not hold grudges. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: And I've been told that this is a Chinese proverb, although I don't know if it's particular to any culture. um, But what I've been told is holding onto a grudge, not offering forgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill your enemy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Holding onto a grudge will eat you up inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't actually have any impact on the, the person who has wronged you. Uh, yeah. All it does is negatively impact your own life. And uh, to tie this to another insight that Kylie has shared with me that has stuck with me uh you know, this sermon series is about living love and Jesus called a love your neighbor as yourself. Um, And I've always focused on the loving your neighbor side of that. But a couple of years ago, Kylie and I were talking about this scripture and, and she said, there's an important part of that that is about loving yourself too, right? You can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself first. Um, And I think not holding onto a grudge is one way to show love to yourself. As important as it is to forgive others, as the biblical mandate is to forgive others for the sake of others, there's a there's a self-care thing that goes on there as well that falls into this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself because you've got to love yourself. You've got to love yourself enough to let go of these grudges, to not hold on to them and let them affect your life. Um,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And there's there's another side of self-care too that I want to just... Piggytail, piggyback on. Um, when we when we read this passage, a lot of times we identify with Joseph, just because we kind of like to feel like the good guy. Um, but in life, there's a lot of times when we are the ones standing in need of forgiveness. And just as there is a great spiritual gift and healing that can happen when we forgive others, because we let go of that grudge, there's also an important part of spiritual healing and freedom that comes when we receive forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we find ourselves standing in need of forgiveness, we want to do all that we can to make peace with the person that we have wronged. And if they are willing to forgive us, that's a wonderful thing and a beautiful thing and a great, great step towards healing um but if that does not happen i think there's still a lot of space for receiving the the forgiveness of god and that we need to remember to allow ourselves to to receive that and i think that's partly what joseph is saying in that line when he says um how does he say it um am i i'm not in the position of god or something very close to that am i in the place of
0: god am i in the place of god yep
1: In other words, I have been, I have, I am one that has stood in need of forgiveness too. The only one who hasn't is God. God is the only one in that place where, you know, do I want to forgive or not? I can, I can decide. Every one of us humans both sometimes has to forgive and sometimes has to ask for forgiveness. And that's, that's just where we all are. It's the honest place to be. If, if we don't acknowledge that if we don't acknowledge that we need forgiveness we are frankly hypocrites yeah so yeah holding on to a grudge is I would say is is kind of a position of hypocrisy
0: yep yeah holding on to a grudge and and also not having the humility and honesty to acknowledge the times that we are with that we have wronged and are in need of forgiveness both of God and and of those that we have wronged.
1: I do want to add a little, um, a lot actually of gentleness there with that comment. Cause that, that sounds kind of harsh about, um, hypocrisy. If we don't forgive, I don't think we need to rush forgiveness. Forget when we have been wronged, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to hurt, to just zip through that and act like nothing has happened is not, that's not honest either. Even in in a lot of times we nice Nebraskans don't like to be angry. And so we try to skip over that, that actual part of the journey, which includes anger, which includes asking for repentance and going, doing the hard work of reconciling with someone. And I think sometimes, especially in our current culture, the, the push towards forgiveness prematurely sometimes will silence people that haven't yet received the kind of repentance they need to receive. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that quite right, but forgiveness is a process. And I don't, I don't expect you or anyone that's been hurt to, to take the fast track through that process. It will eventually happen with God's grace um, if, we, if we seek it and if we pray for it but it's also okay to acknowledge when hurt has happened and take our time working through that.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, grounding it in our relationship with God is is key, and and God can help us through that process um, on God's timeline. And Mm -hmm. as you said, sometimes that will be a a much longer timeline than necessarily we would like. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are other times where Miraculously, God really can uh, put forgiveness in our hearts. I, the examples I, th- I think of, um, think of the uh, Emmanuel AME Mother's Eye Church in Charleston, South Carolina, um, where the, the disturbed young man walked in to the church on a weeknight during a Bible study and, uh, and sat there for 20 or 30 minutes in the Bible study before pulling out a gun and, and killing, I think, nine people. Um, and the following week I heard an interview of a family member of one of the people who was shot and killed and miraculously, honestly, she, she had found a a place to forgive, uh, Dylan, the, the disturbed young man who, who went in there. Um, and I, I stand in awe of that because I'm not sure that I have a well deep enough within me to find that if I had lost a loved one in that way, to such hatred, mm-hmm. um, and yet I think she, God worked through her, and and she also probably, and part of her interview was she realized that holding on to a grudge towards him wouldn't accomplish anything, wouldn't bring her loved one back, and so um, this was her way of of processing that grief, and and uh, it was a powerful powerful witness and. And again, not all of us are going to be able to achieve forgiveness in that same way, at that same depth, at that same time frame, but it's, uh, it is of God. Uh, and if we allow God to work through us, um, we can find those depths from which to find that forgiveness. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing.
1: Yeah, and it, and it kind of begs the question, too, of what is forgiveness? What does it, what does it mean that she forgave so quickly? And I don't, there's a lot of different possible definitions for forgiveness, but the very simple one that I like is that you want good for the one who has wronged you. And in that moment, I bet, I think God absolutely did give her the grace to want good, even for that person who had killed her loved one. That doesn't mean she felt good. Right. or the healing had become complete. And I think that's something that we can keep in mind too, that forgiveness sometimes is just the beginning of the journey towards, yeah. healing, towards healing. It's the choice to stand in that, that place of recognizing that God's forgiveness, true forgiveness, is healing both for the forgiver and the forgiven, and and that we can we can be a part of make of starting that journey for our own good and for the good of the other person, but that it is still a journey. Yeah. So.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's uh, some good stuff there.
1: Yeah. Well, this has been fun.
0: Yeah. It has been. It has been. And um, and in, in the context of, of this sermon series of living love, where where did do, where does where do you see forgiveness fitting in this overarching theme of of living in an incarnate love in the world, of Jesus' call to love our neighbor as ourselves?
1: For me, forgiveness makes sense in the context of living love because it's living honestly, it's living humbly, and it's living in a stance of that that brings together in such a beautiful way self-love and love for the other Mm -hmm. because you you can't you can't do one or the other fully it they go together so intricately within the context of forgiveness and that's so yeah living love is forgiveness is like the ultimate example of that
0: well there you go think it'll preach
1: oh yeah i think it'll preach Probably awesome. many, many sermons worth.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Kyle. Would you mind closing us in prayer today?
1: I would be glad to do that. Okay. Loving and generous and forgiving God, we come to you humbly, asking for your forgiveness for any wrongs that we have committed that we are aware of or unaware of. Lord, we long to live in um, in love, and in freedom. We pray for the strength and the grace to forgive anyone who has wronged us, both for our good, for their good, and for the good of your kingdom. We praise you and thank you that you provide us with the grace and the power to do something as difficult as forgiving, even when horrendous wrongs have been done. And we give you thanks for those whose example has um, shown us the way to do that. We thank you again for the example of Joseph and for um, all the examples of lived love that we find in your word. Please be with Pastor Greg as he prepares his message for us this Sunday, um, that he would have your wisdom and creativity to prepare um, what we are to hear and prepare our hearts for what you would have us to hear. Amen.
0: Amen. Well thanks Kylie you've uh, you've got me got my my mind spinning on some ideas for the sermon I really appreciate it.
1: All right, very good. Take care.
0: Take care.